A Gift of Hope by Lauren McKeon. In 2015, university student Chris Chung donated part of his liver to save the life of a toddler he'd never met and gained an unexpected reward for his sacrifice. From the moment Joanne and Michael Wagner met their daughters in November 2012, they feared the girls would die. At 18 months and barely 4 kilograms each, the Vietnamese twins they'd adopted were clearly very sick. After holding them, Joanne and Michael wandered the streets of Ho Chi Minh City, devastated. They bought matching red and black jars, one to hold Bin's ashes and one to hold Fu's. They wanted to show their new daughters love, but worried there wasn't much time. Soon after the Wagners returned home to Kingston, Canada with the twins, genetic testing confirmed that both girls had Allergill syndrome, a rare genetic disorder that causes bile to build up in the liver, severely reducing the organ's ability to eliminate waste from the bloodstream. By December 2014, Bin and Fu desperately needed liver transplants. While Joanne and Michael were waiting to discover if either or both of them would be a match, they launched a Facebook campaign to search for donors. In January, Michael, a major with the Canadian Armed Forces, learnt he could donate, but only to one child. While only part of the liver is donated and will grow back, a person can safely undergo the procedure only once. Doctors decided Michael's liver would go to Fu, who needed it more urgently. After the Wagners posted the bittersweet news on their Facebook page, the campaign went viral. Though the couple insisted they weren't forced to choose between daughters, relying only on their doctor's advice, the situation struck many as a medical Sophie's choice. Hundreds of potential donors filled out applications. In February 2015, Michael donated to Fu, and in April the Toronto General Hospital chose an anonymous donor for Bin. At a press conference that month, Joanne and Michael tearfully thanked Bin's donor, whose identity they believed would stay a secret. That is, until about a month later, when a stranger posted the donor's name on the Wagner's Facebook campaign page for no apparent reason. Joanne deleted the comment, but the way the name was spelt stuck with her. K-R-I-S, not C-H-R-I-S. Chris Chung. Overcome by curiosity, she searched his name on Facebook, learning he was a 19-year-old English literature student at the Royal Military College of Canada, a five-minute drive from her home. Determined not to breach Chris's privacy, Joanne changed her routine and avoided the downtown area, worried about an accidental meeting. But she anguished over the secret. This young man shares more with my daughter than I do, she thought. So why isn't he here? The Wagners were allowed to send a thank you note to the donor. During her daily runs that summer, Joanne would fret over what to write. She often broke down in tears. In the end, she decided her gratitude couldn't be captured in words. Thank you is too easy to say, she thought. We say it all the time. Thanks for the coffee. Thanks for the bill. Thanks, thanks, thanks. In the end, she wrote in her note that she'd make sure Bin treasured his gift. She sent the card in September. Typically, donors send an anonymous reply, but Joanne was met with silence. With five biological kids and four adopted ones, Family is the centre of Joanne's world. But by October, still not having heard from the donor, she couldn't shake the feeling that hers was incomplete. Michael supported her but took a more practical stance. If the donor wanted to stay unnamed, they couldn't do much. Then, in February 2016, 
Joanne received a card, though to her dismay the donor didn't divulge his identity. For his part, Chris says that he waited to reply because he knew that if he never met Bin, his note would have to last a lifetime. In his card, he thanked Joanne and Michael for what they'd done for the twins and assured Bin he'd never regret the transplant. He added that he hoped she would have a fulfilling life, marked by her own desire to give back. Chris, now 21, had filled out the donor form online moments after reading about the Wagner story in the news. He felt moved by their selflessness and was struck with the thought that he, by comparison, hadn't done much to contribute to his community. He wanted to change that, and seeing Michael in his uniform cinched it. Humble and spotlight-averse, Chris barely told anyone his plan pre-surgery, not his parents, friends or professors. He was disappointed when he learned he was the second choice, until the chosen donor cancelled the night before the surgery. Chris got the call and instantly said yes. During the months following the surgeries, Chris would see posts from the Wagners in his Facebook feed. Joanne used them to share her thoughts on creating a legacy for her daughters through charitable work. Why not use the attention to do good in Vietnam? In January 2016, she also started working as the Vietnam and US Adoption Program Coordinator for the Ontario branch of Terre de Homme, an international children's right advocacy group. Chris, who liked the posts on Bin's health, was also drawn to the idea that he could keep making a difference. Shortly after he sent the card, Chris responded to a post on the Wagner's page. Joanne, who was planning a trip to Vietnam, asked followers if she should go through Hong Kong or Taipei. Chris chimed in, suggesting Hong Kong. He and Joanne chatted about the trip, later exchanging phone numbers. Joanne had no idea if Chris was aware that she knew he was the donor. Chris says it's hard to say when he suspected Joanne had figured it out. Finally, one day roughly a year after his surgery, the young man sent a text asking if Joanne and Michael wanted to meet. They said yes. The trio met for coffee that Monday and talked for three hours. Joanne says that as soon as she hugged Chris, she found her family's missing piece. Chris remembers being happily surprised that Joanne and Michael accepted him on site. There was no racial barrier to navigate. The men swapped stories about their operations. Chris heard updates about the twins. When the couple left, Chris told them he was staying to do some reading. But instead, he just sat there, absorbing. He'd waited to contact them because he was recovering from the surgery, but he also wanted to be sure the Wagners weren't just interested in one meeting. He wanted to be part of the twins' lives and their legacy, too. A week and a half later, he met six of the Wagner kids, including Bin and Fu. It was unbelievable, says Chris, to see her and think that a little bit of me is with her right now. Within minutes, Bin was pointing at Chris's hair, excited that it was dark like hers. At the end, she wrapped her spindly arms around him. A few weeks later, he came over for the afternoon and ended up staying for dinner. An instinctively solitary guy, Chris was hesitant about Joanne's offer to spend time with the whole family. He wasn't sure he was ready for what he imagined would be the chaotic energy of the household. That night, he and Joanne chatted until 4am. For months, she desperately wanted him to be part of the family. Now, almost instantly, he was. Chris, Chris, my Chris. It's early March, less than a year after their first meeting. Five-year-old Bin pistons down the hallway and latches onto Chris's leg. 
This happens before he can close the door or even quite say hello. Later, at the family's giant dinner table, his body becomes a jungle gym for both twins. The girls are vibrant. Their feeding tubes are gone, their skin is clear of Allergill's telltale rashes and jaundice, and they're in school, a milestone the family wasn't sure they would reach. Bin likes to smile and say, Chris, liver me. It's become a verb now, an expression of love and gratitude. He liver me, I liver you. This warms my heart when I see those three together, Joanne says. He didn't only help Bin, he helped Fu as well. They're inseparable. He's also become a sibling to the other Wagner kids. A week before, Chris cut seven-year-old Towen's hair just like his, shaved on the sides, slicked back on top. When Fiona, the Wagner's second oldest child, felt lonely at camp, she called Chris. She knew her big brother would understand. He and Joanne put together a care package, including a ukulele and some snacks. It's not just Chris who's become an honorary relative. His eldest brother and mother, who live in Vancouver, and his father, who lives in Hong Kong part-time, have all met the Wagners. While Chris's mother doesn't speak fluent English and none of the Wagners speak Cantonese, they've managed to make it work. Last June, while on a business trip, Joanne visited Chris's mother and brother in Vancouver. They met again in August, when Chris's mum and dad visited Kingston, commandeering the Wagners' kitchen to cook dinner. When the mums are apart, they text using a mix of English, photos and emoji. Sunday night dinner is now a shared tradition for Chris and the Wagners. This evening, Michael serves plates heaped with rice, dumplings and steamed buns. Chris is beside Bin, who demanded, gesturing with her knee on Hello Kitty chopsticks, that he sit next to her. Conversation drifts from the best Vietnamese food, the younger children discovered they liked squid after Michael told them it was underwater chicken, to what the teenagers are learning in school. When the meal is over, dishes are delegated to the oldest kids and Joanne and Chris duck out to the Wagner's finished garage, which has become the hub for their new non-profit organisation, Twins for Hope, dedicated to helping children in Vietnam. Inside, neatly organised on shelves, are bins filled with Twins for Hope merchandise, decorative paper fishes, incense and handcrafted pop-up cards, all made in Vietnam. At one point, the pyjama-clad twins bound in and take turns leaping up beside Chris. As they giggle, he and Joanne talk about the organisation's future. Chris hopes he'll be able to stay in Kingston after graduation, to continue with Twins for Hope, but also to remain close to his new family. While he admits a crew of 11 is a lot to take in, he's thankful for them. There's always someone here, he says, gesturing to the house, but also in the sense of here for you. Many of his friends, he adds, are glad to finally be on their own. Instead, he's found an entire second family. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.